Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to CNN Town Halls and Debates, your direct source to the people shaping your world. It's a forum for you to get answers to the tough questions and better understand the issues that matter to you. We're bringing this episode to you uncut and unfiltered, straight from the national stage. And it all starts right here, right now, on CNN. Welcome to a very special evening on CNN. I'm Don Lemon in New York. And I'm Van Jones in Los Angeles. Look, tonight we're here to confront the color of COVID. Now, you know, the virus doesn't discriminate, but over the next hour, you're going to see how this disease is just tearing through America's minority groups at significantly higher rates and why this battle is so much tougher for many folks in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. As of tonight, the nation has lost more than 38,000 people to coronavirus, and there are now more than 734,000 cases in the United States. Every victim and their families need our support. But these are the numbers we'd, we'd ask that you uh, think about during this program tonight as you watch this. Look at this. In the states where data could be collected, and that covers just over half of them, African-Americans are dying at two and a half times the rate of Asian-Americans, three times higher than Latinos, and 3.6 times higher than whites. And in Michigan, blacks make up nearly half of the death toll, but they are only 14% of the population. That is a huge difference. And in at least eight other states in the Midwest, the South, and East, the death rate exceeds the population rate for blacks by more than 20 percentage points. Tragic and uncharted territory. For Hispanic Americans, the death rate is unusually high in the nation's coronavirus epicenter, New York City. Latinos are dying here more than any other race. They and African Americans are the only groups dying at a higher rate than their populations. And this doesn't help. Minorities make up half of the nation's 30 million uninsured. And here's one big reason why. Native Americans, blacks, and Hispanics all face a substantially higher percentage of those in poverty. Now, look, that, those are tough numbers, but there's also some hope here. And we're going to tell this story tonight with some help from some of the biggest names in America who are getting to be a part of this fight tonight. We're going to bring you messages of hope sent from lo- with love from viewers tonight. You're going to be hearing from Sean Combs, uh, Lynn Manuel, Miranda, America Ferreira, Magic Johnson, and many, many more over the next hour. In fact, our own W. Kamau Bell, who launched a project to help get, get some of the most critically needed basics to underserved communities, He's going to be here tonight. Also, Basketball Hall of Famer Charles Barkley on whether America's athletes can help all of us team up in this critical time, plus a special musical tribute from the Marcellus Brothers as they celebrate the lives lost to this virus, including their own father, tragically Ellis. 
Yeah, it is a big hour and it's going to be informative, but I want to start tonight with the voices that really matter the most, and that's our healthcare professionals like Dr. Regina Benjamin. Dr. Benjamin yes. spent her career on the front lines of medicine, from caring for the poor and in the rural South to advising President Barack Obama and the nation as our Surgeon General here in the United States. Dr. Benjamin, we are so happy to have you. We're honored and we thank you in advance for joining us. So listen, let's, let's talk about all those numbers you heard us, reel off the statistics, uh, we just ticked through them at the top of the show. Why are people of color so vulnerable to this disease? Well, you know, when we first started to talk about this disease, we said the elderly and the people with chronic and underlying conditions were at higher risk. Most of us thought about people with cancer, elderly people, people on oxygen tanks, but what they didn't think about was people with high blood pressure, diabetes, prediabetes, cardiovascular disease, people who smoked. Those weren't the thoughts. But what we've learned is that it seems very common that when this particular population would be affected much, much more rapidly. And so that's what happened. And we started seeing illnesses. What we did not expect was that these were the people would be coming in much sicker, much faster, and they would deteriorate faster, and they would die more frequently and more often. And the American Heart Association also noticed that people with underlying cardiac cardiovascular disease was also having poor health outcomes, particularly those with cardiac arrhythmias like irregular heartbeats. And so the American Heart Association has put in $2.5 million for a rapid research fund to start to address that, to see why and how, if we can prevent people with underlying cardiovascular disease from having poor health outcomes. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious, you know, uh, this is not playing the race card, am I correct? In other words, this is the data card. The data shows that the hot spots are in communities of color, uh, black communities, brown communities. You've worked for government. Shouldn't we be rushing uh, you know, masks and tests and ventilators to those communities? Is it playing the race card to say that we should be focusing on these places where the numbers are so bad? You know, I'm a physician. I treat everybody, and I just think we should go where we're needed, wherever that is, whatever community it is. It happens to be our communities right now, and we need to certainly be there. This is around social determinants of health, and this is why we're seeing, we know that these particular conditions occur more frequently in our communities, and so we should be there. We should be there prepared. The Social determinants that we've talked about, we've had health disparities around. When I was Surgeon General, we released a national prevention strategy, which was trying to eliminate health disparities altogether. And we're still trying to do that, but the research shows us, and we know certain things cause these health disparities. And things like we know that our uh, financial health is directly related to our physical health. We know that our education is, is just as important to our health your death rate is two and a half times that of a person who doesn't have a high school diploma as it is for a person who has 13 years or more, a better predictor of your health outcomes than your genetic code. So we know it's not genetic, it's those social determinants of health. I think that's really, really important. So the system's gotta do better, the government's gotta do better. But I'm also curious, 
aren't there things that we could be doing better? I mean, I can't control uh, what comes out of the mouth of the president. I can't control what I put in my own mouth. Look, I got high blood pressure. I mean, it, are we going to have to get to a point in the black community where we decide we're going to own our own health, that we're going to take more responsibility for what we eat and what we do? Because, look, help is not on the way. These viruses are out there jumping on us. What can we be doing as individuals to, to get ourselves out of harm's way? You're exactly right. You can't blame the victims. And many of these things are not our, our fault, but we can do things every day to help ourselves. And we can't wait on someone like the government or somebody else to take care of us. So there are things we can certainly be doing. They're very simple. They sound simple, but they can save your life. Things like washing your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. When we ask you to socially distance, socially distance, you're protecting yourself and your family members and those around us, and particularly those who who can't stay at home. Yeah. We're protecting them. We also, if you smoke, stop. Don't smoke, don't vape. If you're, know your numbers, know your blood pressure, know what your blood sugars are, but know you have high blood pressure, get somebody to check it. Before we run out of time, I want to get this in because you said don't blame the victim, and those are, those are exactly right, but I want to get this in because we need to talk about, you said don't blame the victim. We also need to talk about, uh, we need to have conversations, and this has to do with health too, around urban planning, uh, around, um, uh, around racism, around food deserts, around redlining. All of that has to, we should take all of that into account when it comes to health and why people of color are dealing with this as well. Yes, we need to talk about what we put in our mouths, but also we need to talk about the underlying issues as to why African-Americans are in this predicament. I think you're exactly right. We really have to do that. And as we move through this epidemic, pandemic, we basically hopefully will come out on the other side in a much better place that we can have some better um, public policies to address these issues. But in the meantime, we have to make sure we s save our lives by doing these things every day until we can get through this. But you're absolutely right. We have to address these as a society because um, it impacts all of us. And it's not just people in, in African Americans and, and Hispanics and population. It also affects people in my community in the rural areas. We have the same sort of problems with diabetes and high blood pressure, we smoke too much, those obesity, all those things that lead to um, cardiovascular disease is in the rural communities, and you're going to see the same thing It's poor as people. Well. Poor Dr. People. Benjamin, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and your wisdom tonight and everything that you are doing to heal our community. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. And concern is growing in the nation's Latino community. Up next, how the hard work done by Hispanic Americans could be putting them at greater risk for the virus. And W. Kamal Bell is going to join us live. He needs your help to get some of the most urgently needed supplies to the places where they can be hardest to find in communities of color. That's coming up. Van? And Don, we're also lucky tonight to have some very special greetings for everyone in this crisis. These, again, are messages of hope. Let's start with Snoop Dogg and America Ferreira. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G, and I want to send some words of encouragement to all of my people out there. Yo, I want you to have some fun. I want you to make the most of your time at home. Spend some time with your loved ones. Get in tune with yourself. Go to Instagram. Watch some funny stuff. Check out some good movies. You know, keep your spirit up. Drink a lot of water. You can work out at the house, too, on the solo tip. You can do some body lifting. You can do some push-ups. You can do a lot of things to keep your mind moving. But I want you to do the most important thing, stay positive and stay in the house because this thing will be over soon and it takes all of us in order for this thing to work. I'm Big Snoop Deal Double G and I'm telling you this because I'm at the house. 
I'm on the inside. Check me out on Instagram having a good time, partying, laughing, making the most of it. Because God don't put nothing on us that we can't handle. Love is love to all my peoples out there. I love you more today than I did yesterday. Peace be on to you. I'm America Ferreira, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all the amazing people showing up every day to provide critical services through this crisis. Some of those people are our nation's farm workers. They're putting their lives and health on the line by planting, picking, and packing the food we all need to get through this COVID-19 crisis. And yet farm workers are reporting that they do not have enough food to feed their own families. Even though the federal government has deemed them essential workers, they are being denied essential benefits. These frontline workers need our help. You can support them by making a donation to the Farm Workers Pandemic Relief Fund, providing farm workers with food, diapers, formula, and other basic necessities. 100% of your donations will be used to support the farm workers who feed us. Thank you. After the break, more from CNN Town Halls and Debates. Stay tuned. Back with our CNN special, The Color of COVID. I'm Don Lemon, along with Van Jones. And as we look at every minority group, we see areas of vulnerability. In New Mexico, around 75% of new coronavirus cases on Monday and Tuesday came from the Navajo Nation counties. They say they now have over 1,000 cases across the Navajo Nation with more than 40 deaths. And then one expert is bracing for an explosion of new cases, warning this could explode into a wildfire. Yeah, look, I mean, Native Americans are definitely in harm's way. And now the Asian Americans have their own problems, different risks. At the moment, the death rate is not above average for Asians so far, thank goodness. But the FBI is saying that there is a big, big increase in hate crimes against Asians. You've seen all these disgusting stories of, of them being targeted and attacked. And in the Chinatown sections, places like New York and San Francisco, they've been fighting just to save their business. It's a big economic problem there. And Van, when you look at Hispanic Americans, you can see that they are suffering the most in New York City, making up more than a third of deaths as of now, while being just under a third of the population. CNN's Nick Valencia is here to look at the toll on Hispanics across this country. Nick, what are you finding? Yeah, hey there, Don. There's certainly a lot of socioeconomic factors at play, a lot of inequalities, a lot of disparities. You mentioned New York, just how heavy hit Latinos are there in the city, the epicenter, where 34 percent of the death rate is made up by Latinos. And that's not even counting undocumented immigrants who may be afraid, maybe showing symptoms or sick and may be afraid of going to the doctor. You're about to see in this piece, it may be also the jobs that put them more at risk of contracting the coronavirus. Anthony Acevedo says he honestly can't remember the last time he got sick. But two weeks ago, he tweeted that he felt an itch in his throat. More severe symptoms followed. Yeah, so I, I got the results that I was positive with the COVID-19. Body aches. I had a whole lot of body aches. And uh, recently, I've developed a lot of night sweats. His condition hasn't improved. Acevedo thought he was turning the corner, only to be diagnosed with pneumonia. The 35-year-old works in hospice care, making home visits to terminally ill patients. He knew he was at higher risk of contracting the virus and said he had been taking precautions. But in his line of work, that doesn't always guarantee your safety. Latinos are mainly, you know, the, the, the CNAs, 
and the uh, and the janitors. You know, when you go into these facilities, that's where you see us. You see us as the janitors cleaning everybody's room, and you see us as uh, the ones changing all the diapers. You know, giving them showers. Um, you know, feeding them face to face. Dr. Genoveva Oyervides O'Neill, who serves the Latino community in Vancouver, Washington, says Latinos are often found in these essential but lower level hospital jobs. She says such employees may not have health insurance or the option to stay home if they get sick. This leads not only to worsening health for those people, but also spreading of this pandemic and prolonging the illness and the effects that this is going to have. According to the Pew Research Center, concern about the virus is even more pronounced among Latinos than the wider American public. About two-thirds say the outbreak is a major threat to the health of Americans, compared to about half of the general public. There are clear inequalities, clear disparities in how this disease is affecting the people of our city. In the epicenter of the outbreak, New York City, the mayor says Latinos are dying at rates higher than any other group making up 34% of deaths. Other locations have been slow to release a breakdown of deaths by race or ethnicity, so no national trends are clear yet. Meantime, Dr. O'Neill and other medical professionals say underlying health conditions and economic disparities, which disproportionately affect communities of color, play a role. Oftentimes you'll find us living in multi-generational households with grandparents along with newborns and just creating a situation where it's very hard to contain the spread of disease. Do it for your big mama, do it for your pop pop. This past week, the U.S. Surgeon General addressed how communities of color are getting hit hard by the virus and urged blacks and Latinos to protect themselves. But he was criticized for the language he used while doing it. Dr. Jerome Adams said he was only using words he would with his own family. Latinos used to getting together many times a week with family and friends are now finding themselves having to change their normal routines. Like these coffee happy hours at Ventanitas in South Florida. Acevedo sees the risk for himself and others. It means not pushing to go back to work before he's ready. To me, that's the worst fear is to hurt people, to put other people in danger. So just to know that I have it so I can you know, stay home and, and try to take care of this properly without infecting other people. And there's another thing going on in our communities right now, Ben and Don, that I want to talk about, and it's mental health issues. Uh, you know, this coronavirus has been called the great equalizer, clearly from that report. Uh, you know, there's a lot of disparities and inequalities that are at play, uh, but it really is the mental health struggles that a lot of people are going through that, that I see are, is the equalizer, especially in the Latino community. Um, you know, this is something that's difficult for me to talk about, uh, but something that, you know, I want to share for the first time publicly is earlier this year in January, uh, I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder and, and depression and, and post-traumatic stress. And, you know, I may never know what's caused my own mental health issues, but what I can say is that even for somebody like me, you know, who's clinically diagnosed with a condition, this is, you know, this this time, this period, this pandemic has been, been extremely difficult. And I was having such a good, uh, you know, four months uh, leading up to this. And I know there's a lot of people that may need to hear this. They They're feeling alone right now. We may all be going through this together as a community, Don and Van, but there is a lot of people right now that really feel alone. And I think we need to share with our brothers and sisters out there that they shouldn't feel alone uh, because we're going through it with us. Well, Don, I think Van. it's very brave of you to uh, share that. And many times um, Thank you, you know, people will say that, you know, you, you don't maybe you can 
sort of pray your way out of a situation like this or you don't need it or you, maybe you or can meditate or you can do whatever that you're weak. But um, I think it's very brave and it's important information that you shared, Nick. So we really appreciate you sharing and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank, you, you, Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, and if you want to read more about some of the issues that we're discussing tonight, there is a fascinating new column. It's on CNN.com. It's by Catherine Powell. She writes in detail about how this pandemic is highlighting so many inequalities with race. Again, that's at CNN.com. America's inmates are facing this deadly virus with no way out. Up next, inside the jail, that's become a flashpoint in this crisis. Hundreds of inmates and guards infected. And ahead, Charles Barkley is with us. It's been more than a month since the NBA season was just really wiped out. How are professional athletes using their time to help their communities? Yeah, thanks, Don. As we go to break, we got more love, more hope uh, from more celebrities. Uh, comedian George Lopez and his TV wife, uh, Constance Marie, uh, right now. We'd like to send a huge abrazo to the Latino community, which is our community. And a special thank you to all our essential workers in our community because you guys are on the front lines, you are pushing through, and you guys are heroes. We know you're working long hours away from your family to basically help everyone. Thank you for staying home as well. And thank you for the people that have always supported my foundation, the George Lopez Foundation, raises awareness of kidney disease and also helps kids who have kidney disease. This is a very difficult time right now when a lot of their immune systems are compromised, so we have to keep practicing self-quarantining. Yes, and social distancing. Stay six feet away from everyone. Everyone, including, probably even yourself. <laughs> After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. Welcome back to this CNN special, The Color of COVID. Across the nation, nearly 500 federal prison inmates have now tested positive for coronavirus, along with more than 300 staffers. And in Chicago, the Cook County Jail alone has seen more than 300 people behind bars infected since the outbreak started, plus nearly 200 correctional officers. So uh, in, in Ohio, I've learned that there's more than 1,300 people behind bars that have been tested positive at the Marion Correctional Facility. I want you to think about that. More than 1,300 cases in a single prison. Now, Omar Jimenez is here to show us about the Cook County Jail and how they're scrambling to save the people who are still inside. Inside America's jails and prisons, there's a high risk for the coronavirus to spread and nowhere for it to go. In Chicago's Cook County Jail, that potential was realized in just a matter of weeks, growing from only a few confirmed coronavirus cases in late March to a number in the hundreds, infecting both detainees and employees and killing three detainees. It meant employing new strategies, including reducing the jail's overall population by releasing people awaiting trial and those serving time for nonviolent offenses. We've been able to reduce the jail population in the course of four weeks uh, by almost 25 percent. So this has already had a, had a pretty big impact. We want to make sure that we're creating conditions uh, whereby people who don't need to be there aren't there and the people who are there um, have optimal conditions uh, for their health and safety. One of the jail's main tactics was literally creating a quarantine boot camp just beyond this entrance here. It's where those that are infected or suspected to be are taken, and it's where they stay, separate from the jail's general population. Hundreds of beds laid out in an attempt to slow the spread and stop an already bad situation from getting worse. Now for the people who are not infected, how do we make sure that we keep maintaining that? And boy, that's tricky. In a statement to CNN, the Cook County Sheriff's Office says... 
Hundreds of gallons of bleach and disinfectant is distributed throughout the jail weekly, as well as masks and other protective gear. But the types of issues at Cook County's jail aren't exactly unique. It's why the U.S. Justice Department's Inspector General is now launching a review on its federal prisons, where, throughout this pandemic, over a dozen inmates have died and hundreds more have gotten sick. We're, we're battling a threat here that is unseen. That's not normal for anyone. It certainly isn't normal from us. Back in Chicago, the specific populations affected are emblematic of a reality that already existed. Over 70 percent of the jail's population is black. And black Chicagoans account for more than 60 percent of all coronavirus deaths in the city, despite only making up about 30 percent of the population. And while many at the Cook County Jail have recovered, the elevated risk for spread is as high as ever. Continuing stories shared by prisons and jails across the United States. Omar Jimenez, CNN, Chicago. Yeah, uh, thanks, Omar, for that great reporting. Now, we got W. Kamal Bell. He's the host of CNN's United Shades of America. He's been keeping an eye on how this virus is impacting both the prison population and communities of color across the country. He's joining us live. Listen, y'all, I've been working with the Reform Alliance, trying to get masks in, trying to get people out. You've got your own effort. Why should people care about what's happening to people behind bars with everything else that's going on? You know, because that's one of our most vulnerable populations. And I have to tell you that, Van. I know we're having this conversation with people out there. But, you know, you talked about this in 13th, David DuVernay's great film, that prisoners are living in inhumane conditions even before there's a COVID-19 outbreak. And so now a COVID-19 outbreak just makes it even worse. Yeah. So, so uh, we've been watching, Kamal, I don't know if you've seen uh, the videos, and that's, that's how much of this came to light, the videos that are going uh, around social media uh, of people who clearly uh, have coronavirus symptoms and they're in the same cells and really uh, in close confinement with people who clearly have these symptoms. And that's how a lot of this uh, came to light. What would you like to see to combat this, this COVID-19 among the prison population, what could be done? What do you think should happen? Well, I mean, Van's already doing this work about, you have, there's a lot of people in prison for basically no reason. If you find out why they were in prison, for not a reason that you think somebody should be held in prison. So that's the first thing is actually look at people's cases and get people out of prison who don't belong there. And the second thing is about completely redoing the prison industrial complex. Because I think a lot of this with COVID-19 is just revealing the structures in America that are inherently biased and racist and going, we need to redo this all over if we want this to be just. And prison is set up in an unjust way in this country. One of the things I think is important, too, is that, you know, as you said, there are people in for minor offenses, there are old people, there are sick people, there are people in for, for probation violations, they can't pay yeah. bail. They, they, they could come out very easily. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Up next, Sir Charles Barkley is here live. Where do sports fans look for inspiration? Where do they look with the games gone for who knows how long? Van Jones? And thanks, Don. Now we've got another message of hope from the Hamilton creator, Lynn Manuel Miranda. As COVID-19 continues to devastate the world's health and economy, a new conversation is taking place. In our country, black and brown communities are getting hit the hardest. Luckily, organizations like the Hispanic Federation are here today, just as they have been every day for the last 30 years to help. We've partnered with the Hispanic Federation to create the Nonprofit Emergency Assistance Fund to help over 150 Latinx community-based organizations all over the country and in Puerto Rico to ease the pain in Latinx communities. 
These neighborhood groups receiving assistance from the Hispanic Federation provide vital services in local Latinx communities, such as housing, homelessness prevention, domestic violence education, immigrants' rights, substance abuse rehabilitation services, mental health services, after-school programs, and the arts. But now with help from the fund, they're providing telemedicine, food and meals, financial help to undocumented workers and those who have lost their jobs, stipends for rent, and transitioning education and arts programming online. You can donate by visiting hispanicfederation.org. We need each other now more than ever before. Stay home if you can. Stay safe. Thank you. After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Magic Johnson. And African-Americans, we need to know, and, and this is so important that I get this across to Blacks all across this country, that in Detroit, we're dying. 70% of the people who are dying are black people, African-Americans. Chicago, the same number. The same number are dying in Chicago. Atlanta, Los Angeles, New York. African-Americans are leading in death from the coronavirus. So it's anything I can tell you, we got to do what we're supposed to do. Stay at home. Social distancing. You can't have car parties. You can't have parties at all. You can't have gatherings at all. You must stay at home and practice social distancing. This is killing our community, this virus. People were saying in the beginning, oh, blacks couldn't get it. That was so wrong. That was the wrong message. Stay at home. Educate yourself on this virus. And also pray a lot that things will change dealing with this coronavirus in the black community. Hmm. Magic Johnson helping us out tonight with a message of hope. We can certainly all use that, Van. All of sports has been shaken. Yeah, it is powerful. Shaken by the coronavirus. And just this week, Denver Broncos linebacker Von Miller tested positive. He was the MVP of Super Bowl 50. He sent us this special message for tonight's show. Here it is. This is Von Miller of the Denver Broncos. As you may have heard, I've been diagnosed with COVID-19. And I want to join the show tonight to make sure that people understand that this virus is very real. It's not just affecting the elderly or those in nursing homes. We have to do all that we can do as a nation and a community to slow this thing down and limit the spread. I'm in quarantine now, but I'm looking ahead. I think it will be important to continue some of the things that we have learned and to invest in programs that will keep us all protected. People in general, and especially our frontline workers in all fields. I hope everyone will continue to do their part, and I look forward to when we are all past this. That was Von Miller. We're going to be right back with NBA superstar Charles Barkley next. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Sean Diddy Combs. And tonight, tonight has been a very, very, very informative night. But it's also been a night filled with mixed emotions. Um, the facts are sobering. They're depressing and they're tragic. African-Americans help to build this country and make this country great. We don't deserve to be in this position. We don't deserve to always be thought of last. And I want to say to my people, 
Let's not wait on nobody to save us. Let's use this as a reset. Let's use this as a time to start loving ourselves, watching what we eat, taking responsibility, getting closer to God, figuring out how we're going to get together so we're never in this position again. So I come to you with love and in love to say we have to start loving ourselves because nobody's going to come to save us. But the good news is that we're about to step into our destiny. We're about to come together. We're about to unite. And we're about to understand our political power and our economic power. Tonight has been very informative, and I hope it's been, been scary to a lot of people because it's just not right. And we have to do something to change it. But we will prevail through the glory of God. And I just want to tell you I love y'all. Peace. After the break, more from CNN town halls and debates. Stay tuned. So some athletes like Colin Kaepernick, who really know a thing or two about uh, trying to help people, he's donating $100,000 in coronavirus relief efforts uh, and to black and brown communities. Okay, He says structural racism, as he puts it, is leaving people of color uh, more likely to die of COVID. This is where we are. More than a month after two Utah jazz players tested positive, setting off a chain reaction felt around the sports world unlike any in our lifetime. So we couldn't wait for this interview. We're very excited about having Van and me are both excited about having um, Turner NBA sports analyst and legendary former NBA player Charles Barkley uh, with us. Charles, thank you so much. Uh, Charles, we talk about a lot of different issues, uh, but sports is unifying. And we're talking about how this, you know, this COVID-19 is affecting communities of color. But sports can, you know, reach across every demographic. But now from the pros on down, nothing is being played. People aren't getting together. We don't have that unity among races and demographics and ages and everyone. Can you have, did you ever imagine we'd be at this point right now? I never thought in my lifetime we would be without sports. Uh, you know, I, I've been through 9-11. That's probably the worst thing I've been through in my life. But I never thought we could never play sports. Uh, you know, but Van, Van and, and DL, I got to tell you something. It's going to be a long time before things are normal. Even when we get back to playing sports, we're not, fans are not going to be allowed in the stadiums or the arenas. Everybody's going to do a fantastic job looking out for the players and fans. But, man, it's going to be a long time before fans are able to come to games again. You know, you know my son. Uh, for kids, they love sports. It brings the country together. It also gives them something to shoot for. You got a lot of young people now feel like I, I'm missing my season. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play again. What would you say to young people who right now feel like they just have to sit home and play video games because they can't, uh, they can't play the sports that they, that they love? What, what advice do you have to the young people of America? Well, you know, Van, I would tell these young kids what I've been saying for years, man. You know, a lot of people complain about college players not getting paid and things like that. This is a I tell those guys, man, get that free education because this thing is divided. You know, we talk about brown and black tonight because black people and Hispanics, we're the most vulnerable because of economics and systemic racism. But it really comes down to education and the type of job you have. 
So I would tell everybody out there in the black community, man, you got to make sure you get your education, you know, because it, 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 we can talk about all we want to. This thing ain't working the same on everybody. It's really having a negative effect on the black community because of poverty and Hispanic community because of poverty and systematic racism. But if you're a young black kid and you get a chance to go to college for free, man, take advantage of that situation and make sure you get you're going to use the system and the system don't get to use you. So I want to talk to you more about that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Charles, because you often talk about um, personal responsibility. But you've mentioned systematic racism at least twice uh, in this conversation. And, uh, you know, I talked about it with Dr. Regina Benjamin earlier because, we, you know, we, we need to talk about urban planning. We, we need to be honest about, um, about food deserts. We need, to talk about, we need to talk about disparities in health care. We need to talk about how people got into the projects in, uh, in neighborhoods, how they got set down in neighborhoods in rural communities and so on and so forth. It's not just and it is a problem eating bad foods or whatever. We need to take responsibility for that. But that's just not it. That's not the only factor. Well, listen, I hate using the word systematic racism because then you give people a crutch. We, we, we as black people, we have to accept the fact there is systematic racism, but that does not give you a reason to go out and be overweight, have diabetes. You know, we got to eat better. Right. We need better access to health care. Uh, we need better access to being able to work out and, and things like that. But unless we get better health care, which is part of the system, unless we learn to work out better and take better care of our bodies, we're always going to be at a disadvantage. We can't go back and worry about history. History is what it is. Mm -hmm. But we are what we are. And this is going to be a wake up call for us as a black community. Guys, we're not part of the system. But unfortunately, we actually going to be in control of the system when this thing is over, because the reason this this thing y'all having tonight is important. Ban done. Who are the people who serve our food? Who are the people who work in the hotels? Who are the people who work in the supermarkets? There are mm -hmm, black mm -hmm. people and Latinos. Right. Yep. And when's the last time? And listen, I'm not bragging. It is what it is. I don't remember the last time I stayed in a hotel that didn't have a bunch of amazing black women and a, la a lot of amazing Latino women working in those hotels. So that's why for America, we really need to take care of these these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Van, real quick, but real quick, but and also, but it's also, it's not just that, it's also poor people, um, because poor people have the same issues as people of color. Sorry, go on, Van. Sorry about that. Well, I, you talked about the need to work out and stuff like that. Um, some people, people can't go to the gym, that kind of stuff. You look pretty good. Are you, are you able to work out? What, you, what is your regimen right now for at home? Because I need to socially distance myself from, from my refrigerator, but go on. You know, what you are know, you doing? Van, Van and, D and DL, you know, guys, I had to make a conscious effort myself. I like to drink. I probably drink too much. So when this thing started, I made a conscious effort. I'm only drinking on the weekend. I'm only drinking on Friday and Saturday. I'm working out twice a day because I know for me personally, if I eat much as I want to, like I am, like a fat person, and I drink every day like I have been a casual drinker for 30, 40 years, I could be big as a house when this thing is over. So this to me, this was a wake up call to me. And like, cause, cause, first of all, every person has to look in the mirror 
Like I can have a bunch of reasons why excuses. I had to look myself in the mirror and say, Charles, you cannot drink every day and you cannot eat anything that's not nailed down. <laughs> that's my personal <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but that's me on the food part. But I have to I have to be honest, and it's probably gonna disappoint a lot of people. I'm a fake drinker, like I carry the same drink when I when I was drinking, I carry the same drink around. Everybody thinks I drink more. I haven't had a drink since um, I think New Year's. I did the dry January and then never went back and just I just don't have the desire, but Everybody thought I drank more than I did because I would like carry the same drink around or just get sort of a, a refill. But I think that I think hey, during hey, this time, yes. Hey, Dunn, people thought I drank a lot because I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's a, but, but, here's the thing. I noticed, but I, to, but, I, but I had to check myself. Because yeah, I want to talk about that. One, this thing has been going on for for uh, over a month. That's where I'm going to. A lot of people are going to either have to check into, they don't know if they're going to have to check into AA first, and I'm being honest, or Overeaters Anonymous, uh, or the deal with their mental health first because they're going stir crazy. Sorry, go on, Charles. Well, but, but that goes back to you guys, are t- you said it earlier. At the end of the day, it's all going to come down to personal responsibility. And I had to, I had to make my own choices. Like yeah. I say, there's nothing to do. I'm not going to sit around and play video games all day. I'm not going to sit at my house and drink alcohol every day. And I'm going to do something. I bought myself a bike. I've been riding a bike every day. Because, like I say, this is every person's going to have to look in the mirror and say, do I drink too much? Am I yeah. eating too much? Yeah. I love because what you're they, saying. I, I love what you're saying because I think it's been a, a little bit of a false choice in, in this uh, conversation that's been building in the black community. Is it the system's fault or is it individual black people in our culture's fault? It's and all I think of the above. I, and it's all you, you, of the above. So, I, first of all, I, I know Don, Don, first of all, you've been fantastic for years. And I know you've got some blowback from the black community. And, Ben, you've been amazing in the whole political process. But anytime we say something about black people, we get blowback. And, listen, right. I'm very proud to be black, always has and always will. But... There is personal responsibility. We can. I can't get fat and obese and then say to myself, it's because of systematic racism. I'm very aware of systematic racism, but I can't get fat and obese and then say, yeah, the system made me fat. It doesn't work like that. I think two things. One is... Uh, it is true in our communities, you know, they got the bad food. They got food you can never find in a white community. In our community, the liquor stores, all, th- all that type of stuff. And so that's the system part. But we have had black women in our community for years who have been telling us, hey, drink the healthy food, put down the bad, you know, wearing the head wraps. You know, we, we call them hoteps and push them off to the one side. It turns out that the hoteps in our community were correct the ones telling us to eat, to live, and put down the sugary drinks. And so we we don't have the resources in our community, but we can be resourceful. And there have been people in our community begging us for years to take it seriously. So I think this virus is trying to teach us about wellness and about oneness. And, 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 and it's been there. We just had to listen to it. Okay. I, listen, I agree with, uh, with both of you. But I, listen, don't get me wrong. We have to agree. There are some fat white people out there, too. And who don't eat, who don't, who don't eat properly. And, but I also think that we happen to be in a position where, uh, where we can do that. There are some people who don't have the information that we have. There are some people who were set down in quote unquote ghettos and they don't get the information. And sadly, uh, they don't 
they don't have access to that. They live in food ghettos. So I don't want to be hard on everyone and I don't want to blame people, but I'm here to educate people. So, yes, yes I would like yes, people to be able to lift themselves up and to do that. But not everybody uh, is in a position to do that. Hopefully them watching us, they'll be able um, to to do that. But again, don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot of fat people of all different ethnicities. <laughs> Charles, yeah, I love yeah. you, buddy. Hey, I got to go. Hey. Charles, I got a heart. I got to go quick, quick. I love you guys, man. Thanks for doing the show tonight. And say hello to your much better half for me, okay? <laughs> and from my, from my better half. We miss you. We need yeah. to hang out with you guys more. Thank you. Yeah. Look, we, we want to remind you, look, there are many ways that you can help the neighbors uh, that need help right now, including in communities of color. You can go to Impact Your World on the CNN site. That's CNN.com slash impact. So, you know, throughout this hour, we have been exploring why coronavirus is attacking the black and brown community at alarming rates. And while the statistics are staggering, this is about much more than just numbers. This is about mothers. This is about fathers, sisters, brothers, sons, daughters, friends who have been killed. It is about people who died most likely alone without the reassuring touch or look from loved ones. Well, tonight we'd like to take just some time to remember just a few of those lives that have been lost. Providing the music as we say goodbye uh, are jazz legends Branford and Wenton Marsalis, currently in quarantine themselves, playing 12 Zit by their father, Ellis Marsalis, who lost his own battle with COVID-19. concludes this episode of CNN Town Halls and Debates, your direct source to the people shaping your world. To make sure you're always a part of the conversation, subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. For even more updates, follow us on Twitter at CNN Podcasts. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.